Welcome to Get Your Goal with Paula B. I'm your host, Paula B. I'm a weight loss and menopause expert, certified life coach, and author of the book, Mind Over Menopause. On this podcast, we dive deep into the mindset tools and proven Get Your Goal formula that will help you lose weight for the last time. Are you ready to get your goal? Me too. Let's go. Hello, goal friend, and welcome to episode number 282, What to Eat for Weight Loss. My friend, okay, I have a couple of things to tell you before we even get started on this episode. Number one, I want to tell you this is your last chance. Wow, I really should have looked at my calendar before hitting the record button, but I think this is the last time I'm going to be able to tell you about Weight Loss University before we start Weight Loss University in the Get Your Goal group? Uh, That would all just sounded like a big question. Here, let me announce this as a thing that I am stating in a declarative sentence. You guys, I'm hosting Weight Loss University in my Get Your Goal Mastermind group the week of April 17th through the 21st. And here's the thing, just in case I have gotten my dates wrong somehow, even if you are listening to this months or even years later, this series of events is going to be available in the Get Your Goal group as far as I know now in perpetuity. I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be an incredibly valuable resource to everybody who ever joins ever. So yes, it's very, very nice if you can join us live. It's five days of, I'm going to call it intensive, but I want that to be, I want that to be enticing to you as opposed to like scary. I'm really going to be sharing all of the skills that are really going to help you, specifically the mindset skills that are really going to help you be absolutely successful on your weight loss journey. And in fact, your other goal getting journeys beyond weight loss. Truly that for me is the reason why you would join the Get Your Goal group. Yes, of course, I want to help you lose weight. I want to help you get to your first goal, but I want you to understand yourself and the goal getting journey so well that you can do anything. In addition to afterwards, during all of the prepositions about weight loss. When you know how to get one goal, you'll know how to get every goal. And truly, the mindset skills that I'm going to be offering during Weight Loss University can help you with everything, really specifically weight loss and any other goal you could possibly have in your life. So come and join us in the Get Your Goal Mastermind for the week of April 17th through the 21st. Come join us for Weight Loss University. And the way that you would be able to do such a thing is to go to getyourgoal.com slash work dash with dash me. And the other thing that I wanted to tell you, apropos of nothing about Weight Loss University, is that you are very likely going to hear a lot of background noise during the podcast today. I am recording so much later than normal. It's the middle of the day, which is very bizarre for me. Normally, I get off the treadmill, and then I put on my microphone, and I have a nice, like, cozy little talk with you about whatever our topic is. And today, I had a meeting with my business manager, not immediately after I got off the treadmill, but soon enough that I didn't get a chance to record the podcast in between. And I kept kind of putting it off and putting it off and then had a little pocket of time in my day, right here in the middle of my day, where I was like, oh, I can record the podcast. This is so awesome. 
but it is so loud around my house. Like, first of all, Blossom is walking around with her clickety-clackety nails on the hardwood floor, and it is rainy and windy. Things are blowing in my yard. There's a good chance that, I mean, it's the middle of the day. I could get a phone call, or, you know, my mom could text me, which she literally just did right before I turned on the microphone. So, my apologies if external noise is bothersome to you, and here's your warning. There might be some external noise today. So you guys, oh my gosh, let's talk about what to eat for weight loss. If there is a question that I get asked more than any other, it's not this one, but this is definitely one of them. (laughs) I can ask a lot of questions. You know what? I should probably come up with some like top five or top 10 most frequently asked questions. Oh my gosh, I should totally do that. This is me making a mental note to myself while podcasting with you that I'm going to have some FAQs sort of a podcast for you so that you have a resource for all of the things that I get asked the most often. But this is one of them. In fact, this one is very frequently not asked as a question, but much more as a, I'm going to call it a demand, but I mean that nicely. People tell me all the time, Paula, I wish you would just tell me what to eat. And I totally understand the sentiment of that. Like, I vividly remember when, like a long time ago when I was losing weight, when I really, really didn't know anything about it. This most recent time that I've lost weight, which was several years ago now, but the most recent time that I lost weight, you know, I do this for a living. I've been thinking about this. I have a lot of knowledge. Like I think about weight loss more than the average person. And I know that's really saying something because you are probably thinking to yourself, no, I think about weight loss a lot, but I think about weight loss differently. I think about weight loss as being an achievable goal that any woman can do, which is probably very different from how you think about it. And I really like to think about the science of like just our biology in general, like how weight loss works for all humans, but really specifically how it works for menopausal women. And then because I'm also a life coach, I love love, love, love to think about the mindset work that really is the crux of it all. Truly, it is the thing that gets you where you want to go is understanding how your body will not go anywhere your brain doesn't go first. And therefore, thinking about where your brain can go is the thing that gets your body there. And because of that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I don't tell you what to eat, but also, I mean, okay, no, the legal reason why I don't tell you what to eat is because I'm not a registered dietitian. I don't know if you know this. I feel like I mention it every now and again. In California specifically, and it might even be in the United States, I don't know that for sure. I remember when I was getting my personal training certification that one of the things that they really went through with us was, here's how nutrition works, but also you can't tell people what to eat because it's not your job and that is regulated. That must be national. That is regulated through the federal government. The only person who can give you a meal plan is a registered dietitian. And I find this very interesting because I know, and again, this was years ago, but I know that when I went to my first personal trainer, Okay, now I'm going to admit how long ago it was, (laughs) so maybe the law was different then, but I know for a fact that she handed me a diet on my very first day, and I looked at it, and I was just like, well, I won't eat any of these foods (laughs) because I'm so picky, and it was, oh my gosh, if it was 1,200 calories, I'd be surprised, and I was a nursing mother, so that does tell you how long ago it was. It means it was well over 20 years ago because my children are both in their 20s, so in any event, in any event, I don't tell you what to eat 
partly because I'm a picky eater and partly because it's illegal and partly, and this is the thing that we're really going to talk about today, is because you learning how to make these decisions for yourself is the thing that's going to make them the best decisions. And really, further to that, further to that is the the biggest argument that I'm going to make against trying to follow some kind of diet that somebody else offers you, is that generally speaking, somebody else's diet is going to have way too many changes. But let's get into, before I really dive into that part of it, let me tell you, first of all, what my actual advice is. Like, here is what I tell you to do when I help you with the 5-0 method, which go ahead and download that. That's on getyourgoal.com. It's right there on the very first page. It's the top thing. You don't have to scroll anywhere or look for it anywhere. There's a box right there where you can put in your email address and there's a button that says download now. It's completely free. It has everything you need to know about how and why weight loss is different from menopausal women, and it offers you a calculation to figure out your daily calorie target. It's relatively simple. I'll give you the basics of it right now. It is your current weight with a zero on the end of it. So if you weigh 165 pounds, your calorie target is 1,650 calories a day. There are some caveats for your age and your height and your activity level in general, but that is like the bare bones of approximately what your calorie target will be. And then to answer the question of, okay, but how do I meet that calorie target? I offer you this advice eat the foods you already know and love in portion sizes that fit your daily calorie target. Now, here's the thing about this. I get a lot of pushback on this advice. I've been giving this advice for years, and the two main arguments that I hear against it, they're similar, but they're different, and there are lots of variations on this theme. But this is the general vibe of the arguments against my advice, is that you can't just eat anything you want. You have to eat healthy to be healthy. And if I'm saying a calorie is a calorie, that that's incorrect and outdated advice. And I want you to know that I actually agree with both of these arguments. <laughs> it's really funny to me when people say these things to me as an argument against what I've just said. And I'm like, yeah, I actually agree with both of those because neither one of those things is what I'm telling you to do. So let's really dive in today without me offering you an actual diet plan about what exact foods you can eat, but helping you make fantastic decisions for yourself with foods you already know and love in portion sizes that fit your calorie target. And then here's the part that I think is going to make all of my advice make more sense is this. While paying attention to what feels good to you. The reason I don't offer that part of the advice up front, first of all, is it's a little bit wordy. And second of all, I truly believe that I'm going to call it making mistakes. I don't actually believe that there's any such thing as a mistake. I don't think there's any way you can fail. I don't think that if you are getting started and feeling confused and not sure what to do, I don't think anything about that part of your journey is bad for you. I honest to goodness believe that a little bit of struggle in the right amount, (laughs) kind of like my advice about food, but in the right amount 
really, truly is the impetus to get you where you're going because it puts you in a position where you're paying attention for yourself. I think sometimes, and this is getting a little bit off to the left here, but I'm going to just offer you this. I think sometimes when I tell you to pay attention, as I have done quite a few times in recent podcasts, first of all, you might not hear it the way I mean it. I know what I hear it when somebody tells me to pay attention. I'm like, I am. (laughs) And I know that, that maybe it sounds kind of, I'm going to say condescending. It might sound like, I think you're not paying attention. I don't think that at all. I think that being in a position of a little bit of struggle helps you pay attention in a different way. And simply using the phrase pay attention doesn't always convey that. When you are paying attention from a feeling of like desperation or struggle, it is very different than paying attention from a place of, I'm definitely going to figure this out and I just don't know what the answer is right now. And I want to offer you that the paying attention from that place of self-love and curiosity is the one that I always mean. It's the one that I'm always offering you. When you ever hear any advice that I am giving sound like I'm telling you to white knuckle your way through or just buckle down or push harder or just do what I say until it becomes a habit or you're wrong and I'm right. Like anytime you hear anything like that, I promise you it's not actually what I'm saying. And there's another way to interpret my words. I am always, always offering you the chance to love yourself. It's in every single bit of advice that I give you. It's imbued in everything I do because I have found in my own life, in my own goal getting, that the only way I can get anywhere is to love myself exactly as I am while making mistakes and muddling through. I, I know that sounds really funny. Like I don't want you to muddle, but also I really do. And while you feel like you are just struggling and thrashing around, I want you to know that I'm always here holding your hand. I'm always here on your side, believing that this struggle and this muddle is the thing that's going to make it worthwhile. It is the thing that's going to have that one piece of information that you couldn't possibly have heard until you struggled with it yourself. Simply being told what to do might get you there. It might. But you know what will get you there? You really making it your own. This is why, the big reason, why I don't just tell you what to eat. I will tell you that whatever foods you already know and love, even if it is the most unhealthy food on the planet is exactly where you should start. And big picture, it's not where you're going to finish. It's not where you're going to end up. And I think that is maybe the big argument that people are making when they say to me that you have to eat healthy to be healthy. I totally agree. Like I 100% agree. And 
The nuance of this, well, there are a couple of nuances of this. Number one, honestly, it's just, it's the big picture that there's honestly no such thing as healthy eating as a standard. I think about this all the time when I'm walking down the cereal aisle and like every granola bar on the shelves has the word healthy on the box in like one place or another, even the ones that are covered in chocolate and full of high fructose corn syrup, like like even the ones that really, let's be honest, are not great for your health because at the very least, they're a highly processed food, not to mention that some of the ingredients in them are chemicals instead of food, but they can use the word healthy because that word is unregulated. And it's kind of unregulated even with foods that we associate with health. I feel like I've told this story before, but I love telling this. You know how, I mean, like an apple a day keeps the doctor away, fruits and vegetables, plant-based diet, like everybody at least has some general agreement that fruits and vegetables, things that grow on the earth are probably good for you. There are people, and my husband is one of them, who can't eat apples. He can eat all kinds of fruits. It's not a fruit thing. It's not a fructose thing. It's really specifically something about apples specifically It's not necessarily that he has to do a low FODMAP diet. There are just certain foods that are high in FODMAPs. And please don't ask me what that is because I cannot remember what the acronym stands for. It's a particular kind of like dietary issue that some people have. And there's a list of foods that don't do well for this particular kind of person. And my husband happens to be that particular kind of person. He can't eat apples, even though apples are for lots of people really, really good for you, really, really healthy. So when you think about this idea that you have to eat healthy, it already kind of puts you in a position where that's not even really an answer. That trying to eat healthy isn't a destination. However, it is a standard that you can by paying attention and loving yourself and listening to your body, totally set for yourself. And it is a standard that I would love for you to be aiming towards. And we're going to get to that in just a little bit when I offer you a little bit more explanation about why my advice is a little bit more short-term than long-term and what my advice is for the long-term. But let's continue on with this whole like healthy foods thing and why the advice to, you know, eat healthy or you have to eat healthy to be healthy isn't really specific to weight loss. Here's the thing about healthy foods. They still have calories. I have met in my line of work of doing this uh, weight loss thing for over a dozen years now. I have met online and in person thousands. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Thousands of women who tell me that they eat a really healthy diet and they still struggle with their weight. Now, Have I verified that every single one of them is, you know, eating mostly plant-based or all natural foods with no processing or whatever you want to consider healthy? No, I have not. I'm taking their word for it. I am listening to what they are saying. And people almost always offer me that they really eat healthy and they can't figure out why it's not working for weight loss. And here's why. Because you still have to eat within your calorie target, meaning not too far over, not too far under. You have a window 
and it's pretty tight here in our 50s, of calories that are going to help you lose weight. Anything over that, and you won't lose weight. Anything under that, and you also won't lose weight. Under eating sparks a stress response in your body that can actually lead to fat storage instead of fat loss. That is a conversation for another day if you'd like to hear all about that. It's probably one of the things I'm going to be covering during Weight Loss University. If I, truth be told, I don't remember for sure because I don't have my agenda in front of me, but it comes up a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if we talk about that. And if not there, then I'm sure I'll talk about it some other time because it does come up a lot. The thing about losing weight really specifically is that it requires a very specific number of calories that puts your body in a weight loss mode over time. Your body needs a certain amount of energy and going over that energy or under that energy isn't efficient for weight loss. So what I think This is a total theory on my part. I don't have independent corroboration that this is what's always going on. But what I think is going on is that a lot of the women who are eating healthy are under eating their calories. It's a guess. I don't know that for sure. But I will tell you that of the thousands of women that I have helped lose weight, most of them are under eating. We have heard our entire higher lives, that we should be eating 1,200 calories, or that we need to just eat less and move more, or that we need to slash our calories, or that we need to restrict our calories, or that we need to really be careful with our calories. And that is almost never the case. Most of us have gotten to this point in our lives and been cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting to the point where we are under eating. It is amazing to me on the daily that that is a thing that can cause you to gain weight, but it is, and it does, and it could be your problem. So if you are eating healthy right now and you are thinking, but I have to eat healthy in order to lose weight, you can absolutely eat healthy, but you need to be eating the right amount of healthy food to lose weight. And here's the other thing that I think is the argument that people are making when they tell me that eating healthy is better for losing weight. Like you have to eat healthy to be healthy and eating whatever foods you're eating isn't good for losing weight. I think that part of that argument is simply that the volume of food that you might be eating, if for example, you're eating a lot of junk food, you're eating a lot of, let's call it calorie dense foods, A calorie-dense food, by the way, just means that you get a lot of calories in a small portion, which of course is always going to be relative. Big portion, small portion, like that's all going to be relative to who you are and what you're used to eating. But let's say, for example, the difference between like a salad where you can eat, you know, four cups of salad, which is really big salad bowl with some dressing and, you know, some other vegetables that's going to be very few calories compared to the same size of (laughs) the only thing that's coming to me right now. And I, I don't know why this is the example that I'm giving you, but here we go. An enchilada, the size of enchilada that you would be eating that would be the same size, like volume wise of a salad would have easily, oh gosh, 
five, six, seven times the amount of calories, possibly more, depending on what kind of enchilada it is and you know how much cheese and all those kinds of things. So, so thinking about volume of food, I think sometimes the reason people want to argue in favor of healthy foods is that you get to eat more volume. But here's what I really want to clarify about that. When you are eating a calorie target, you're aiming for a number, like a number of calories. It's, it's right there in the word calorie target, not a volume of food. And yes, there is definitely an area in which you could easily have automatic thoughts that eating a smaller portion of a calorie-dense food feels restrictive or not enough or like you're cutting back or like you're holding back or like you're holding yourself back or you're really being careful. Like there's lots of opportunity with a small portion of a calorie-dense food to really hear those automatic thoughts that feel very restrictive. But what I'm going to offer you just really quickly is that when your body has an amount of energy, meaning a number of calories that you have ingested, the amount of energy that you can extract from that is the same. Now, Here's where we get into the argument that a calorie is not a calorie, and I totally agree with this one too. What I'm going to offer you is that a calorie is a calorie in the sense of your body can operate on, coming back to our example of the, what was it, 1,650 calories, your body can operate, meaning fulfill all of its functions, keep your heart and lungs going, you know, keep your pancreas doing what your pancreas does, get you to work get you to bed, all those kinds of things. On 1,650 calories of Twinkies, it can. But here is the argument of a calorie isn't a calorie. And you're absolutely right. A calorie of Twinkies feels different in your body. It still runs your body's processes, but it doesn't feel as good as, for example, hey, an apple calorie. everybody but my husband (laughs) or somebody else that doesn't or doesn't, you know, either doesn't like apples or can't eat apples for whatever reason. Here's the thing. A calorie is definitely not a calorie. And I would never try to tell you otherwise. Like truly, even with healthy foods, a calorie is not a calorie. I mean, like a salad calorie is different from a chicken breast calorie, is different from an egg calorie, is different from a grape calorie. Like A calorie is never just a calorie. Your own personal body is really going to operate its own personal way on a variety of different foods. There are certain foods that feel absolutely amazing in my body and certain foods that feel absolutely terrible in my body. And it's not even necessarily about the healthiness of that particular kind of food. It's how my body is interacting. And it's also, let's be honest, related to other factors such as how much water you're drinking, how much sleep you've had, and how much mental stress you may or may not have in your life as well. There is an argument to be made, of course, 
that healthy calories are going to run your body better, give you more energy and give you better health overall. I could never disagree with that. And this is part of the paying attention process that I offer you as, I'm going to call it the long game. The long term goal that I have for you is that you lose weight successfully. You lose weight at a rate that feels, I'm going to say more or less successful to you. I never ever want to offer you fast weight loss. I don't think that's helpful. I don't think it puts your brain in the right space if all you're aiming for is speed. I love to offer you the chance to take this whole journey at a pace that makes sense for you and so that you get to see all the sights along the way that you never have to lose weight again, that you have a chance to do all of the mindset work so that this is the last time you will ever lose weight. I would much rather offer you permanent weight loss than fast weight loss. And honestly, mindset work is the way to go, but that's a, that's a little bit of a tangent. Here's what I'm offering you. While you are losing weight and paying attention to your body with love and curiosity, you literally cannot help but notice which foods feel good and which foods don't. It's part of the 5-0 method to start paying attention to your body and how it feels. I mean, like emotionally, it's what we do literally every day with the journaling practice is we find our thoughts, we decide if they're helpful. And the way that we're deciding if they're helpful is by listening for the feeling, the emotion inside of our body, feeling the feeling of it. As you practice that, you're going to start feeling all kinds of sensations in your body. You're going to start feeling hunger, thirst, satiety, energy, you're going to start noticing which foods aren't digesting very well. You're going to start noticing which foods send you into a little bit of a, I'm going to call it a sugar frenzy because that's what I call it in my own life. There are absolutely times where I have that too much sugar feeling and then I pay attention with curiosity and love. Okay, what did I have? Why does it feel this way? And what's an amount that I can eat next time? Because my friend, I'm always going to eat sugar. What's an amount that I can eat next time that doesn't bring on this yucky feeling? What's the upper limit of where I can eat sugar that feels good? And when does it get beyond that? Let's make sure that next time I stay under that threshold. This is the longer term game that I'm reluctant to offer you the very first day you step foot in the 5-0 method. I feel like asking you to pay attention to how your body feels after every food that you've eaten with everything that you put in your mouth all day, every day, it's a really big ask. And offering it to you as a long-term solution in small doses here and there, starting with your emotional body, starting with recognizing when you feel happy, when you feel sad, when you feel stressed, when you feel frustrated, that little bit of brain-body connection is going to spill over into every area of your life. Every area. I personally don't feel like I need to spell out every inch of your food journey at the very beginning, 
Because so much of the paying attention and operating through self-love and curiosity is really going to come very naturally on your journey. Here's the other, I'm going to call it biological reason why I offer you the advice to eat the foods you already know and love in portion sizes that fit your daily calorie target instead of going directly to something like intermittent fasting or low carb or low calorie or all healthy or any other, I'm going to call it a program, any other like big, broad, sweeping here, let's change everything you've ever eaten ever. It's simply because your brain can't handle it. And I say that with so much love. It's not your brain. It's all of our brains. It's the human brain really struggles with making a lot of changes at once. And in fact, if you have ever, ever broken any habit ever, you know how hard it is to make changes. Really specifically changing your habits. I quit smoking. Okay. How many years ago was that? It was 1994. Four, which was, oh my goodness, almost 30 years ago. So 29 years ago, I quit smoking. And I remember thinking that I was quitting one habit. And yet when I really thought about it, if I was, I don't think by the time I quit, I was smoking an entire pack a day, but I was smoking, you know, a fair few cigarettes. Let's just say 10, just for the sake of argument, let's say that I was smoking a half a pack a day, which would be 10 cigarettes. So What I was actually doing was breaking 10 habits. I was breaking the habit of having a cigarette when I first woke up in the morning. I was breaking the habit of having a cigarette after a cup of coffee or with a cup of coffee. I was breaking the habit of having a cigarette when I got in my car. I was breaking the habit of having a cigarette after dinner. I was breaking the habit of having a cigarette when I was hanging out with my friends. I was breaking the habit of having a cigarette right before I went to bed. I was breaking the habit, this one cracks me up every time, of smoking a cigarette on my way home from the gym where I had just been on the treadmill for an hour. memory still sticks with me. I remember the last time I did it where I was just like, I don't even know what I was just doing at the gym. If all I'm doing is undoing it afterwards. It was, it was one of the many reasons why I, well, no, the main reason why I quit smoking is because my, my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband of nearly 30 years was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I can date you if you're still smoking. And that was a really, really easy choice to make for me. But anyways, here's what I'm saying. When you think about changing breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe how you drink coffee, your snacks, your grocery shopping, your meal planning, your your cooking, your eating out, all of the different ways we interact with food, if you are trying to break every single one of those habits... No wonder it feels hard. No wonder you're existing on willpower. And then eventually, because willpower, I mean, it's a finite resource at best and and doesn't feel good. Truly, it's a podcast for another day, but I just, I never recommend willpower. I never recommend just muscling through something. There's a way to quit and it's by trying to use willpower, truly. The thing about eating the foods you already love in portion sizes that make sense means that you are changing fewer habits. You can still go to the grocery store and go up and down the aisles just like you've always done. You can still cook the foods that you've always cooked or go out to the restaurants you've always gone out to. 
Yes, you are still changing how you interact with the foods in terms of you are possibly measuring or weighing or at least eyeballing. You are tracking. You are thinking about it. But there are fewer decisions to be made. And without getting too far into the weeds on decision fatigue and how that can affect you, I will give you the the overall advice that the fewer decisions you can make, the easier it is to change any habits. So by offering you this advice to eat the foods that you already know and love in portion sizes, that makes sense. I'm not telling you that you are going to get to your goal weight still eating the exact same foods you're eating right now. Over time, your desires will change. Over time, when you recognize that certain foods just feel more energetic in your body or that you do have that sense of restriction or holding yourself back that doesn't feel good emotionally, you will naturally and with intention make different choices. And making those choices one at a time in small ways for one meal here or there or everywhere, you won't get to that point of decision fatigue at noon on the first day you're trying out a new diet. In fact, it's my, it's my hope for you, my desire for you, my advice for you, that you spread out your decisions over the entirety of your weight loss journey and possibly beyond. I will tell you that when I lost weight a while ago, and this was honestly, it was before I was doing a lot of mindset work, and this is maybe not the best example, but it is the example that I think of all the time. I was able to lose the weight that I wanted to lose, which was a little over 30 pounds, by eating the foods that I was already eating, which is to say, I mean, at the time, oh my gosh, it was almost nonstop junk food, in about nine months. It took me about nine months to lose the 30 pounds, and then over the course of the next, like, two and a half years, I ended up changing almost everything I was eating. I ended up finding new dinners one at a time over the course of weeks instead of hours. I ended up experimenting with breakfasts that I liked better than others. I ended up moving around the sorts of things that I would eat for lunch that felt good and that I wanted to eat. I ended up Again, experimenting with snacks. I came to every decision, and again, this was long before mindset work. I came to every decision from a place of curiosity and love and honest to goodness, always wondering how much can I eat and still successfully lose weight? Like I was always aiming for that beautiful mix of food that tastes good, food that feels good, food that feels like a volume that, you know, is satisfying, food that is healthy enough, and food that just really satisfied some emotional comforting something inside of me. This is still the way I make decisions. This kind of decision-making, what feels good mentally and physically, 
is how you're going to eat for the rest of your life. It's the decision-making process that is going to help you lose the weight and keep it off forever. When you make decisions from love and curiosity and from a place of wanting to feel good physically and emotionally, my friend, you can never go wrong. And that starts with foods that you already enjoy. Really, really, really being okay with where you are, with the food choices you are currently making is one of the best mindset tricks I can give you. Loving yourself where you are is the thing that takes you where you want to go. You guys, I really hope this was helpful for you today. Like always, join me for Weight Loss University and I'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave a rating and review so other women of a certain age can stop struggling with the scale and start loving their menopausal bodies. And if you're ready to change your mindset while you're changing your weight, then it's time to get into the Get Your Goal Mastermind group, where you'll find my proven success formula, answers to your questions, expert coaching, and the community support you've been looking for. You don't need to lose weight alone when you can have fun and level up your mindset with friends. With weekly coaching calls, live journaling classes, and access to the tools and strategies I've used to help thousands of women lose weight for the last time, the Get Your Goal group is the place for you to get your goal. Learn more about group membership at www.getyourgoal.com. And I'll see you inside the group.